Hello, listener. We're back. The English summer continues to stagger from one big night to the next, like a drunk tourist on an 18 to 30 package holiday trawling for another round of shots. Maybe it's the heatwave, but the Switch It team is more than usually discombobulated. But we're here with our 100 merch and our Commonwealth Games bling, frantically trying to remember where we packed our test whites. Today's episode may feel like it's inspired by the Kevin Peterson Free Associating Jazz School of Commentary, as we all try to get our bearings after several weeks out of the office. Um, but I'm joined in the studio by two of ESPN Quick Info's most down-with-the-kids types in Andrew Miller and Valkyrie Baines to discuss new formats and new horizons and also preview the return to good old bilateral cricket ahead of England's encounter with South Africa. Uh, good to see you both. Miller, uh, we talk a lot about the treadmill that is the modern game and how important rest and rotation is, which is why you've been paying zero attention to the cricket for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but you have got a new party trick, I think. Yes, I've spent two weeks in Wales and, um, yeah, just travelling around Wales and um, looking at rather long railway signs. So, yeah, after several hours sitting in the car with the kids, I can now say, Lanfair, Pithquin, Gwithgogera, Quinn, Drobo, Lantasilio, go, go, go. Um, which I never thought I was ever going to bother to learn. So Small round of applause. Oh, thank, you very, yeah. thank you very much. <laughs> but yes, Wales was lovely. Very nice. Um, did you a, find any Welsh fire fans? No. <laughs> uh, I did find one kid in an England shirt on the beach, which was, which was gratifying, playing cricket. And uh, I saw someone get out while we were driving past a club game somewhere near Snowdon. Right. And that was it. There That's pretty much all the cricket I have paid attention to. I turned on the 100 briefly when I got home. Uh, then switch over to the football. Um, I, I'll get back into it in due course. Yeah, you know, we're, 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 we're free jazz already, aren't we? But uh, yeah, that, that's been my week. You're not the intended audience of the 100, uh, of course. Um, Falks, I won't ask you to pronounce the new name for Port Elizabeth by way of a follow-up. Thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> uh, G-Q-E-B-E-R-H-A uh, for anyone who wants to give it a go. Um you have got tales to tell of spending a couple of weeks in England's second city, though, um, the Birmingham, Birmingham uh, 2022 Commonwealth Games. I have, and I did, and it was really great, actually. I really enjoyed it. It, um, Yeah, Birmingham turned on. It had been years since I'd been up there, and I actually forgot how big it was. It was only when we were driving in that I was reminded that it is indeed, you know, the second city. So, yeah, it was huge. It was, um, it was really lively. There was, you know, people packed through in the streets and in the squares and stuff going on all the time and then um and then of course there was the cricket um out of Edgebaston and and uh, yeah that was great a ground a groundbreaking return uh, to multi-sport events for for cricket as um obviously the men had been at the commonwealth games before i think 1998 at 98 in Kuala Lumpur yeah and there has been olympic cricket way back when but this this sort of experiment um, it is seen as uh, part of the pathway to getting um, cricket back on the Olympic menu. Yeah, this really gets me. Um, yeah, I sort of went there thinking, that, you know, Commonwealth Games is a bit of a test case, I suppose. And I think what you have to remember with the Commonwealth Games, though, is you're preaching to the converted. A bit, anyone taking part in that tournament is in the Commonwealth and loves cricket, you know, pretty much. <laughs> so it's a much harder sell to the rest of the world. I think... Um, I read today uh, Brisbane are looking at getting in, getting it in for 2032, and that's probably much more likely in terms of it definitely going to happen because 
the host country can pick mm. the sport and that's going to be right up the top for Australia, obviously. I think getting it in a couple America. Of, a couple of gold medals going, going spare there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's LA 2028 is the... LA 2028 is the Not next. the next games, but the next ones. That, that they're talking about. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So the next one where it's up for grabs. And it sort of was, it, it's in among nine other sports to get discussed for possible inclusion. It's up against uh, baseball, softball, uh, flag football. I need to know exactly how that works, but I've had it vaguely explained to is me. Is that like but. foot golf? No, I, think, oh, I don't know. If anyone knows, just sort of <laughs> do messaging. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to know the rules of that one. Break dancing, karaoke, kickboxing, squash and motorsport. When is squash going to get a look in? Oh, it really, yeah. really bugs me, actually. It I really, agree. Really I bugs surely me. squash has got to be yeah. next. And is it not motorsport an Olympic sport? That's my question. Sport. It makes absolutely no sense. No sense at all. It's a small box. You can, you can sit mm. people all around it. It, it's the game that lots of people like to play anyway. We, we really are riffing into random territory, aren't we? But anyway, it, it's, been, it's, been, it's really bugged me that, that squash hasn't been, hasn't been included previously. But um, yeah, yeah, it's really bugged me that I think oh, that this was sort of seen as being a possible, you know, test for mm. cricket maybe getting in. But then sure enough, it has been put back on the list to be discussed. So may, maybe it mm. will be, maybe if, you know, LA want to expand you know, the market and the interest to, you know, countries that are going to do well in cricket, then, you know, that's the, the way in. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But at least with that in mind, it got the right final. With all due respect to, to <laughs> England, the host nation would have been a glorious story in a, in, a, in a self-containing sense. The fact that it was the best team in the world against the most, most populous team in the world in, mm. in a good game, as it turned out. Uh, it was perfect because all that really matters is eyeballs in, in, in test cases like this. Mm. And if enough... Indian subcontinent <coughs> fans are tuning in to a women's match in a gold medal game. Uh, people are going to take notice of that. Uh, I don't know what the actual figures were uh, for the game, but it does strike me as as opportune that uh, that it got that sort of showpiece. Um, so fingers mm. crossed, really. Catherine Brunt might disagree with. Uh, I suspect you're right. Yes, <laughs> that threw up something really interesting. I think was the way that the finals fell. Is that England clearly saw making the bronze medal playoff as a massive failure? Like they expected nothing other than to get in that gold medal playoff. I don't mm. know that they were necessarily expecting to beat Australia, but they were expecting to have a shot. Mm. So they saw getting to that bronze medal playoff as a bit of a failure. Hence. New Zealand, who saw it as a massive win, ended up playing like it, mm. played their best game of the tournament and won quite convincingly. So that was sort of two flip sides of looking at it. And then you had um, India, I think, finishing with the silver medal. They were sort of a bit in between. I think they were actually really happy with how they played through the tournament mm. and how they played in that match. Um it was maybe more the weight of expectation on them. Are they going to, you know, do it this time? That probably, you know, made it like, oh, you know, we didn't win gold. But I think mm. they were the players were genuinely quite happy with the silver, and they figured it was going to do a lot for women's cricket back home. Yeah, I think anyone who uh, ends up in the final against Australia women is happy with what you get <laughs> out here. Um, the the record that they have. Um, I mean, we, we might as well stay actually with England women um, on this sort of meandering um, uh, chat around the houses of what's gone on in the last four weeks. Um, I mean, that was, this has ended up being um, or, you know, effectively to one of the, 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 the swan song for Lisa Kitely's reign. I mean, she, she will be in charge for the final um, act of the summer, which is India uh, touring next month. 
Um, but it, yeah, it sort of, I, I guess, um, capped off as an underwhelming tenure, which obviously was uh, COVID uh, um, you know, wrecked in many ways. And, and, and Lisa Kitely's personal life, I mean, she's had to stay over here, I think, uh, away from her partner back in Australia for a lot of it. Um, and, and the team haven't performed badly. Um, particularly notable that Commonwealth Games campaign, how you had um, uh, Izzy Wong, uh, Freya Kemp and Alice Capsi all in the team. So two 17-year-olds there. Um, a sign of what Kitely did do well, which was to bring in something, uh, the start of a new generation uh, for the women who, who are, uh, the turnover has tended to be quite slow. Um, Sophia Dunkley, another one uh, under her watch. Um, but, but ultimately sort of three global tournaments, if, if you're counting the Commonwealth Games, um, two semi-finals and a, and a, and a final appearance um, and, and not too much else to show for it. And, and she's sort of quietly headed off, no thanks to a contract extension and obviously England will now be um, looking for a new coach ahead of another world tournament um, in about six months' time. Yeah, that's right. There was <coughs> someone in place ahead of that T20 World Cup um, early next year. But I think you're right. I think her legacy is going to be probably what she did at the very end of her tenure and that was make those bold decisions to bring those young inexperienced players in um and i think it was one of those things i suppose if you're looking to beat australia i guess they had a look and they were like well do we keep going with what we've got and it hasn't succeeded thus far or do we just sort of start with something new and something fresh and then build from there um, and that's sort of what she's done. Uh, and like you say, those players that you mentioned sort of brought those those players through. And I think um, that's sort of something for them to build on. And I think that's probably the, the biggest, boldest thing that she did. They left out Tammy Beaumont, of course, um, which uh, is a big call. I mean, Tammy Beaumont has been at the heart of a lot of um, England's um, better moments or World Cup winning moments over the last five years or so. Um, Miller, uh, but I, mean, I guess that that is what, increased professionalism and increased competition does means you can um, make some of those harder choices. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm pleased <coughs> that she grasped the nettle actually, because to be perfectly honest, I felt that during the world cup, um, England drifted. I, I felt it felt as I think it was said subsequently that, you know, that was very much Heather Knight was in charge. Mm. Kitely was, was a little bit sort of sidelined even then, because I guess they knew that she was on the way out. And so, so the, you know, the, a little bit of lame duck there. So, you know, when they had that terrible start to the World Cup, it almost felt as though they froze from a management perspective. It's like, right, what do we do here? Do we stick or do we twist? We stick. We stick with the players who haven't performed well yet and try to sort of weave some sort of 27, 2017 alchemy and, and, and revive it. They did it to a degree, obviously got to the final, as, we, as we've been discussing, getting to the final is an achievement in itself when, when Australia are as good as they are. But you know, if that had been if that had been the final sort of thing by which her reign was to be judged, then you think, well, what, what actually has she done here? And admittedly, the you know, the COVID was a huge factor, a bit like Chris <coughs> Silverwood with the men. They they the similar sort of timeframes, in fact. Mm. Uh, Silverwood's reign was wrecked by by lockdown, and you know, the women had it worse in so many ways because you know they didn't have the the monetary support going into the women's game, therefore they were they were you know left left adrift for ages, and then you know sort of thrown into this endless winter tour of ashes into World Cup that almost broke them. So you know it, it was a pretty grim time to to have to be in charge of the, of the side. But you know if you look back to 
never mind the Commonwealth Games because obviously that that ended up in in a bit of a disappointment. But if you look back to the the preceding weeks against South Africa, and all, mm. all things considered, South Africa were were an absolute shambles for for all manner of different reasons. But England played with a joyfulness, you know, watching Izzy Wong bounding mm. in, debuting in a different format each week, and and performing with glee. Uh, you mentioned mentioned Freya Kem, Ballas Capsi coming in later on. You know, we, the, all these all these girls being blooded and uh, and just just a sense that there is there is an evolution that that can take place in this side and needs to take place because you know when now we're into the hundred and you know so far uh, I, I don't think I'm saying this simply because I've been pronouncing Welsh place names rather than watching it, but mm. it doesn't seem that this year's hundred has 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 caught fire yet. Certainly for the women, probably because they've just had such a mm. massive event. In the Commonwealth Games, it's almost like take a breath and then, you know, maybe go again in, <clears throat> in the second half of the 100 and might, might pick up for the women. But if you throw it back to last year, it was all about the women. It was the, the, the whole narrative of the 100 was really about what it has done to explode the women onto the scene. And Alice Capsi, case in point, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we talked previously about her innings, uh, London Spirit against uh, uh, Invincibles, where she got that, that 50, 58 from 41 balls, I think it was. You know, when you when you got a, players, sixteen-year-old at Lords, it's, it's just nonsense, isn't it? You think you think how long it took women to play at Lords and at all. You know, the first World Cup didn't even <laughs> yeah. feature at Lords because you know they weren't yet allowed into the long room. And then you got a sixteen-year-old doing that yeah. before she's even played international cricket. There is a generation that is already gagging to get involved in in the international game, and it's almost it almost it almost segues actually into what's going on in the men's game at the moment. There's like suddenly you've got. You've got a competition, the women's hundred, which has almost created more stars than the women's international scene has. Just because, as we, as we mentioned at the top, it it's easy to stagnate a little bit in in the international game. You pick your team, you stick to your team, and certainly for years when there wasn't a professional structure beneath, you know the, there was no pressure for for places. Mm. So you end up with well, Charlotte Edwards, who you know may well be uh, about to be spirited back in as coach. You know, in the end, you know when it came to Booting her out of an international career, it, it was that was the big call that Robinson made in when he was coach. It's like we've got to do something to to just regenerate this team. We can't just pick the same old, same old all the time because if you don't if you don't just invest in youth and give them a chance, mm. there's no no structure anymore. They, they, that's not the case anymore. We've got we've got this hundred. We've got the the women's big bash. We've got various other opportunities that um, that are that are cropping up that are creating players that are actually ready-made and and have have profiles before they play for England uh, and that's 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 a huge change in narrative and it's and it's one that's you know we're probably going to start seeing as well on the international stage for men you know or, or even you know <coughs> bypassing international cricket you know I'm sure we'll start talking about Will Smead soon but you know he's he's a he's a he's a star in the making on a franchise basis albeit hundreds not franchise but you know what I mean and he has he's not yet not yet got to look at it with England. It, it, it's a very different setup that is suddenly mm. taking place across men's and women's cricket. Yeah, and Will, Will Smead, in fact, has played uh, one game senior of cr- senior cricket that isn't T Twenty. Yeah, he made his list day debut for for the Lions a few weeks ago, and and that's it. <laughs> um, so, although I think he's he's kind of said uh, he, he he does want to play first class cricket and so on. He just wasn't scoring enough runs for the the seconds. Uh, I think Matt Roller interviewed him uh, for us, um, but yes, he does seem the, very much the new breed. And we yeah, we will probably touch on at some point the um, 
there seems to have been a bit of a tipping point in the men's game reached um, with events kind of swirling, um, the, the the rise of a couple of uh, new, um, very well remunerated T20 leagues uh, and the drafts being assembled for those, um, the, the CSA T20 and the the IL T20, which I think is International League T20 in, in, in the UAE. Um, and at the same time, you've had sort of Ben Stokes retiring from ODI cricket. You've had Trent Bolt opting out of his New Zealand um, contract. So, uh, yes, there's, well, the, there are no easy answers there. Um, probably simpler to stick to the Women's 100 for now, um, <coughs> which which did start up um, a few nights ago. Uh, Thursday night, I think it was, uh, Valks, you were there at the Oval, as you were a year ago. Obviously, uh, this tournament is... Um, been truncated by the Commonwealth Games, so the fact there was sort of this, this, uh, uh, you know, uh, new prize, uh, ex- experimental kind of um, gig for the women to, to have a crack at, has meant that their main thing has been um, uh, uh, cut cut down slightly. Uh, so there's a, there's a lopsided fixture list. I think they don't all play each other. Um, but anyway, uh, it, I mean, it kind of felt, uh, certainly to me, that the first week or so of the 100 without the women didn't feel complete. Um, you know, uh, it was it's missing some of that atmosphere that you get got from having two, you know, the double headers, um, perhaps the, the, the more sort of family friendly crowd. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's um, certainly the talent is there. We, 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 Alex Capsi again on, the, on uh, 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 the other night for Oval Invincibles, getting them over the line with, uh, I think, four... Four fours in a row, a couple of them reverse swept. Um, on her 18th birthday, she looked like she was, you know, having a ball. Um, you've seen, uh, I mean, um, Freya Kemp is someone who has come through for England at 17 years old, um, tonking sixes. Uh, I mean, she doesn't look like she could, you know, clear the square. Um, <laughs> Bess Heath, uh, match-winning sort of innings the other day for for Northern Superchargers. Uh, someone that you know whose name a couple of years ago no one uh, would have been very familiar with. So uh, clearly, that that effect, um, uh, that galvanising effect on the women's game is is there. Um, I mean, and and whether it has yet to kick into gear. You had a couple of record chases, I think, on the opening um, nights. Yeah, um, I think um, I think what's really interesting, and you're speaking about Wales, is also um, Sophia Smale, a young 17 year old, mm. coming through just now, just breaking through. So she's almost potentially the Alice Capsi of, yeah, of spinner, this year. Um, yeah, yeah. For, um, for Invincibles. Yeah, right? for Invincibles. That's right. So um, yeah, she's sort of getting opportunity. I think the nice thing about this tournament is that you've got players at that end of the spectrum. Then you've got really experienced players who are perhaps not in the on the international scene anymore or at the moment like Lauren Winfield Hill the other night she played a you know, match winning mm. knock for invincible um yeah for invincibles um and then you've got the international stars so there's that real mix you know particularly amongst the the, the women's um competition and that's sort of where the development's coming from it was interesting with the double header um last week the first match of the women's competition and that being the women obviously in the prime time yep. slot as that's opposed right. to the curtain raiser um and speaking to all the players they absolutely loved it um it was always going to be interesting to see how many of the crowd from the men's match stuck around and Lauren Winfield Hill even said you know after the match they they were wondering how this was going to play mm. out and I have to say the majority did stay there was you know you could see some people had left whether it be to get the kids home to bed or you know whatever but um but yeah the majority did stay and um and that sort of 
yeah, just added to the atmosphere. To them, it was you know still deafening still really loud still mm. still so much bigger than a lot of them had had played in before and they really appreciated it so officially sort of 21,000 in for the men and, and then they estimating about 15 16,000 but that, well, that's twice as many who were in for the women's standalone fixture on the opening night a year ago exactly. so even though, even if you, you know the slightly smaller crowd it was still you know um exactly because they weren't counting people out bigger. so they didn't know for sure so yeah. they had to sort of make that guesstimate but like you say it was that just goes to show sort of where it's gone from one year to the next basically mm. that's a good gauge be interesting to see how many more primetime mm. slots the women play in next season because it's I just think, one this year right yeah that's right and i think i think they will <coughs> do more i think it, it did work and you know why not? Um, yeah. yeah. So, but that that'll be interesting to yeah, see. Yeah. The only why not I, I could offer is the why not that that I I discovered when I went to my one game, which um, I took the kids last year uh, to to um, Lords, and it turns out the men's game got washed out, and it was the second second half. But actually, the kids were were kind of relieved. They 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 enjoyed it. But the idea of doing it, doing another one is like I'm not sure. Not sure. Two games in one day for for kids who aren't completely mm. invested in this game is is sustainable in terms of you know if you love it you love it and you want to stay if you're trying to get people interested it's like you know okay i've seen it now do i have to do it all again yeah um, that's a very good point and that's what i was sort of saying about there was always going to be i think families who took the kids home mm, early because it's, you know it's an 8 9 o'clock finish at the earliest if you do stay on for that second game that's late for a lot of the yeah. little kids who they're trying to get in and who i think um you know the women's game attracts <clears> as well so yeah there, there is that but if they can sort of mix it up i think you know may, maybe that that helps. I, I don't know. I think you know it'd it'd be interesting. Interesting to see. They've experimented this far, so maybe you know. Give yeah, my my, my daughter's one big takeaway from from it though was that absolute outrage at the size of the boundaries for the women. The fact that they were draw, brought in because before the men's game got washed out, obviously they were moving the boundaries back. So suddenly they've been peering into the middle distance to try and see the boundary, and then suddenly it's right under the noses. Like, that's a scandal. Uh, and I notice it's it's actually it's, it's come up come up in uh, yeah. Claire, Claire Taylor was talking about it in, on Twitter this morning about uh, you know how how it's uh, becomes a very one dimensional game if the boundaries are too small for the women it's four or single mm. it's you know you, I think you, da you, Danny Gibson yeah. who was playing yeah. one of the games yesterday tweeted that they were too mm. yeah too, there's uh, been uh, more yeah. so so yeah leveling the playing field in, in in all sorts of all sorts of different ways and it carries so many different different meanings but you know. One leveling playing field is is standardising boundaries. I think because you know there's more power in the women's game than uh, than than you know we've seen in the past. You have Danny Wyatt and, and Sophia Dunkley and mm, they can lump mm. it. They don't, they don't need uh, special special measures to to get sixes. They can you know trust trust the levers. God damn it. Yeah, I think that's so true. And it's just it's a really obvious thing when they bring it in as well. It's just, yeah, it just sends that message, and it's just like actually that's a message that doesn't need to be sent now, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I agree. Um, Charlotte Edwards' name has already had a mention, but uh, she spoke, I think, on, on one of the, the TV broadcasts about being in the hat for the women's uh, coach. Yeah, so I mean, I th I think she's got to be a shoe in really if she wants it. I mean, she was speaking on um, on Sky and her guys as um, Southern Brave coach, and um, and just the success that she's had thus far with Vipers. <coughs> Um, so what she's won the last two Rachel Hayhoe Flint trophies, the Charlotte Edwards Cup this year, um, got brave to the final um, last year. I mean, I think she's you know she's had a lot of success. Um, she was she was asked um, 
on TV and she sort of she didn't know yet she hadn't she said she hadn't really thought about it because it was quite you know sudden to her that you know one Kartley had decided to go and two that her name had sort of come up so I think she hadn't sort of quite wrapped around it wrapped <coughs> her head around it but also um I think she was asked are there still enough you know players within the squad that you played with before that you mm. might not then want to be coach of yeah. would that be sort of a bit awkward and she kind of from memory, I think, just sort of said, well, I haven't sort of thought that far ahead about it. And, yeah, I, I don't know if, if that needs to you know, even be a factor, but, you know... Maybe yeah, can, I, can, I can understand the reticence, but I do think, I do think there's, you know, it's a bit like selectors. One of, the, one of the reasons, you know, that James Taylor, for instance, was, was given a chance to be a selector uh, previously was that he had actually played with a lot of the players he was selecting. So, you know, he had a sort of under-the-lid insight into them. You can... You can, you can draw your own conclusions to how, how successful his selections were but the logic was that you know I might as well do this now might as well get 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 into this role while I while I feel like I've I've got a handle on these players rather than leave it a few years and suddenly everything's changed and I actually don't have any in intel and I think you know that Charlotte Edwards is obviously such a hot name uh, for so many reasons not least she's got a bloody trophy named after her that she keeps winning. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> I mean, the, the time does seem to be now. I, mean, I think uh, Kitely played alongside Brunt, didn't she? So she also played against Brunt yes, in, yeah, yeah. in Brunt's, Brunt's debut. So, you know, we have a precedent there for a coach who's, who, who has been on the same field as one of the players. Uh, Brunt presumably isn't going to last much longer. So, uh, you know, aside from her... Whisper it quietly. Yeah, whisper it quietly. You know, they're, they're, and, you know they're, there aren't a huge... The turnover has suddenly sped up uh, since that 2016 tournament when um, Edwards played her last. Um, mm. You know, there are there obviously Heather Knight and Co are still still around, but it does feel as though the new kids are, yeah. are on the block, and <clears throat> a lot of those new kids, as mentioned, are Vipers, and and Vipers are, are mm. a hot team, uh, hot ticket. It just it feel it would to me it would feel uh, feel like sort of you know. Gordon Brown family callers election. If you don't, if you don't, uh, if you don't, if you don't go now, it's like why not now? Everything, everything points to the Edward succession to me. Hmm. Um, Gordon, good to get some Gordon Brown chat in here. Definitely, <laughs> um, really old Gordon Brown. The uh, I don't know if you've heard of the hundred bop yet, but um, it doesn't oh feature Gordon Brown. Um, <laughs> that, that's that's news cricket game. kings and cricket queens. Um, we we probably should mention. Um, I don't know if this penetrated your bubble in in Wales, Miller, but there has been uh, there have been now two hundred centurions uh, mm. in the in the men's game. Um, no one really got close last year. Um, well, I think, I think Liam Livingston got into the nineties and, and Jemima Rodriguez as well. But um, yeah, Will Smead, who uh, I'm, I'm we doubt us all going to hear a, a lot more about, and then Will Jacks the other night. Too. I mean, <clears throat> if nothing else, it's um, putting uh, the cats amongst the pigeons for England's T20 World Cup selection, uh, which uh, I think will have to be made before they go to Pakistan at the back end of next month for seven T20s. Um, and, and with Jason Roy in, uh, having uh, pretty much uh, the worst summer imaginable from a white ball batting perspective, um, there are going to be some interesting discussions going on there. Oh, they just, I mean, <coughs> Jason Roy is fascinating. I mean, obviously, come back to come back to the, the willpower in a minute. But <laughs> um, but Jason Roy is fascinating because in so many ways he's a pathfinder for all the people who are now queuing up to replace him. Mm. I mean, there's there's no there's no two ways about it. You know, he's he was 
he was a guy who transformed the way that England went about their batting. You know, obviously that whole team under Owen Morgan transformed it. But as the guy who took the first strike in the team that tried to pick up the pieces from that 2015 disaster, Roy deserves so much credit for what they achieved in that he was able to go out there and put his ego to one side and say, you know what, my job is to lump it. Whether I look whether I look cultured or not, it doesn't matter as long as the ball travels. And he did that so effectively so often and became so indispensable to the team that became world beaters. Um, now his form has collapsed. Um, he's got the, he seems to have an anxiety about his place that under Owen Morgan in particular, he never ever encountered because Morgan had such faith in him. So no, you do what you do. I will back you to the hilt because we need you to not just pat around that first over and be not not from six and then tee off. I want you to tee off from ball one. And so, you know, he has he's he's got so many ducks to his name, but also some incredible innings, incredible memories. But now suddenly, you know, you got this this generation of players. I mean Tom Banton is almost yesterday's news. I'm mm-hmm. sure he will come again, but you know, it was only a couple mm-hmm. of years ago that Banton was like the obvious guy to to step up. Now Will Smead is the new Banton down at down at Somerset and and and, and obviously obviously in the in the hundred now as well, it it's a bit like the bit like the, what we're talking about with the women. It's like how do you regenerate the team without taking a, a few a few risks? And to a degree, you know, Joss Butler's first few weeks in charge of the white ball team, obviously, uh, run of defeats and one draw in four series. I think it was wasn't it? So mm, uh, first time it, that England hadn't won a home uh, limited overs series since 2013. Yeah, which is pretty pretty dismal. Harking but, back to the days of Alistair Cook. Yeah, it does. But but also it kind of makes you wonder whether you know through no fault of his own, but Butler's almost too close to the team as was. Um, to be able to make those changes, you mm. need someone to come in. That, that's pro- probably where Matthew Mott yeah. needs, needs to earn his corn. He needs to needs to make those big decisions that Butler, by by dint of being a teammate, a friend, a, a, a you know guy who's built so much of his career around the memories that that culminated in 2019, he can't make that call that that Roy has to go. But someone's got to make that call that you know we can't have all this fresh blood bubbling up in these in these brand new tournaments without giving them the mm. the outlet to come come to fruition in international cricket because this is this is this again is the tipping point for international cricket you want context you want relevance for international cricket and you're not going to get relevance if all you're doing is re- recycling the same old products almost as if it's their own separate franchise tournament you know you, you've got mm. you've got to you've got to accept that you know if there if there are guys around the world who are who are tearing up trees in different formats in different competitions, you say, well, you know what? Is your ultimate goal to play for England? And if so, come aboard. You've got to find ways to bring these guys through. Um, you know, it's not, it's not desperate, not desperate measures yet for for Smead in particular. You know, he's only he's only about twelve. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> as mentioned, you know, if if, it, if this guy is is basically a T twenty gun for hire and just floats around the world being picked off for you know four hundred fifty thousand pound contracts here and there everywhere. Uh, it's not long before international cricket becomes superfluous to him. Mm. You know, you got you know, someone like Tim David as well, a guy who mm. is 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 already in that boat. He doesn't seem to be particularly close to Australia sort of recognition in, insofar as you know he's obviously talked about, mm. but 
it's not necessary for him. He's, he's, he's doing very well nicely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, But I think you're right when it comes to sort of when there's guys knocking on the door, the need to make those calls. Um, we had some feedback on ball-by-ball commentary for yesterday's match when Will Jacks got his mm. century. And so someone making the point that you did along the lines of, you know, we hear names like Banton, et cetera, et cetera, um, we have done and yet, no mention of Jax when he's been around for a couple of years. And that's true, actually, because I remember first being aware of Will Jax in 2019 when he hit a 25-ball 100 in a T10 pre-season warm-up against Lancashire, I think it was. And, yeah, the news started filtering out from Dubai where this had happened. It's like, oh, what's going on here? And so he's, you know, he's been around sort of showing his wares for, for that sort of length of time. He's knocking on the door along with Smead. It's like you say, it's just someone to make that bold call to get them in. Which, in turn, probably gives us a chance to talk about the test, test match because the one really, really <laughs> interesting thing about Jax, as far as I'm concerned, is the way he's been used at Surrey in the Championship. Is in the, mm. you know, you've got Gareth Batty, head coach at Surrey, uh, an off-spinner, you know, a traditional off-spinner who, who played for England, did, you know, had his moments. And now suddenly he's become the head coach at Surrey uh, and you know he's got guys like Verdi around. You know he could, he could have sort of put faith in mm. his spinners to say, you know what, I'm a I'm a spinning coach. I'm going to back my spinners to spinners to victory. And he said, nope, I'm going to back this guy who is a job a day spinner who could get better, but his ceiling as a batsman is limitless. I mean, basically, he's 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 taken a bold view with Jax. Is that you know the obvious way to craft him is as a spinning all rounder. Mm. And you know the the next Moeen Ali essentially. I mean, yeah. he's, he's he's the closest thing to a Moeen Ali prototype that that England have had since since Moeen sort of started to go off the boil and around twenty nineteen, I guess was was kind of the. He's not really been the same since mm. in any format, to be perfectly honest. Um, so that is again another outlet, and you know I know Basball is 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 a banned word in in, <laughs> in in not only England circles but South African as well. Sounds like sounds like Mark Bouch is going to make them drink tequila every time the word <laughs> is said. Um, but if Basball has any sort of end game, it is that it makes Test cricket attractive to all comers, mm. whatever whatever level of whatever level of cricket you are succeeding in. There can be a place for you in Test yeah. cricket if you take that mindset and that mentality and that, that willingness to go hard at the game and extrapolate it across five days rather than 100 balls. Um, there's no reason why someone like Will Jacks can't take the sort of form he's shown in the 100 and for Surrey and in the Blast and all the rest of it all the way to Test cricket. That, that, is, the, that is the only way to keep Test cricket relevant mm. in, in this era of endless T20 franchise tournaments if you want to make sure that that's the pinnacle, and and you know, as far as we're all concerned, it's the pinnacle, and as far as I think most players are still mm. concerned, it's the pinnacle. Albeit they don't get to play it as much as as much as Ben Stokes would like to. Um, it's it is vital to 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 open open the doors mm. and not not feel not feel you're pigeonholed mm. for for touring the world and and and, and wearing coloured clothing all the time. There, there there could yet be a place for you. Well, I guess yeah. there's a hint he is possibly in the frame because did Jacks not play in the um the yeah. Lions game? I think yeah. he made 34, took one wicket in one innings and none in the other. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he I think he smacked it around a good. Well, the Lions smacked it around well, to the did. tune of nearly six and over. Yeah, so um, he's he's <laughs> you know maybe in the frame yes. there. That's and, sort of a and I mean he's been um. Uh, in good form for Surrey and they're top of the championship, aren't they, in, in, in Division One? Um, 
yes, all this talk of destabilizing T20 leagues and, and uh, the rise of uh, money and gun for hire uh, freelancers. Uh, we should retreat to the safety of bilateral <laughs> test cricket. Um, South Africa at Lords, uh, they've not toured here since 2017. It's actually been a little while. There's, there's obviously a good history, uh, the rivalry between um, the two uh, countries. And yeah, Miller, as you've touched on, Dean Elgar has no time for basball. Um, I think he said earlier this week, uh, or possibly last week in The Guardian, I think it can go one of two ways for them and it can go south very quickly. Um, it's a waste of energy to talk about it. Their coach doesn't even like the slogan they've come up with. I'd like to see them do it against our seamers. They've come up with... <laughs> now, yeah, obviously, this well, is, this is, this is your moment to uh, interject. Uh, I Miller. think the point needs to be made that Basball's about to be back. Miller's back today. That's no coincidence. <laughs> and, you know, the summer starts here. Um, <laughs> but I mean, England did uh, use the B word against... India's attack, who are not shabby at all, um, in Anrik, Nokia, uh, Kigisa, Rabada and Lungi Ngidi are um, very fine players. But uh, I mean, it's it's it should be fun uh, on the the evidence the the two halves of the English summer so far. The Test uh, schedule w- was a lot more uh, fun than we all expected, and certainly was a lot more successful than the white ball stuff. So. Um, yeah, we're all back aboard the baseball train. I'm assuming. God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bring it on. I mean, this, this, this is how this is how, this is how the, the international season is meant to be. It's like you, 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 the, the white ball stuff just fills a hole, and then you get, get back to the, the main event. I mean, this this is this is what I'm gagging for, and and I think it should be fascinating because yes. Dean Elgar has has been very sniffy about baseball, and he's within his rights to be. But you can't you can't ignore the fact that South Africa are a very different proposition to the team they've been in previous years when obviously they've been been decimated by coal packs and and you know just undermined by internal internal divisions and all the rest of it they have a, they have a unity at the moment that is partly sort of you know the the, the post sort of truth and reconciliation stuff that came out uh, uh, with Boucher recently but also uh, post coal pack you know you've got someone like Simon Harmer's now back in the frame mm-hmm. uh, so one Brexit benefit there finally we have a Brexit benefit it's, 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 it's test, cri- test cricket gets gets a, gets a level playing field thanks, <laughs> thanks to thanks to the, the, the economic forces no longer at play um, but that's that is a great a great thing to look forward to and we've already seen proof of South Africa's ability to um, face down strong opposition in in the way they beat India. I mean, it's not just England who've yeah. been beating India recently. They they came from behind in their home summer, won very convincingly in consecutive run chases. I mean, run chases seem to be a very English thing at the moment. Four in a row, rah rah rah. I mean, Dean Elgar was himself instrumental in the first of those. I think he got eighty odd, maybe ninety in in the first of two seven wicket wins. I think we were chasing two forty on that occasion and two yes. two twelve second time round, something like that. You know. 200 run chases they they used they used to be tricky um <laughs> and it wasn't basketball what won it no it was very 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 traditional you know um, graham smith light um yes. sort of prodding poking nerdling but indomitable accumulatory crease occupation uh it's a it's a it's a south african trait it's something they've done very well through you know smith and callis and amler all these guys have, have a tr- strong tradition of just being nuggets who who won't budge, and on on Elgar's watch, they're building a similar sort of t- sort of side. Yeah. And, and let's not forget, you know, a lot of the similar characters as well. Rassi van der Dussen, uh, he was instrumental in the white ball, the the mm. the, the ODI uh, victory. 
not so long ago. They, they're coming into the coming into the, their um, final leg of the English summer in in some in some pretty confident mood. They've mm. got proof of their of their merits <coughs> on English soil already in the white ball format. They got proof recently. Uh, they went to New Zealand as well. I think they got battered in their first test because they didn't have any warm up, but then came back incredibly strongly in the second test and won handsomely. Um, they're top of the world test championship. They are top of the world test championship, uh, which again you can't you can't you can't sniff at that. England are somewhere off the pace there. Yeah. Um, but Valks, the, the the Lions game was interesting, um, not least because uh, the 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 kids, the the uh, A team went basball uh, furious as well. Um, hundreds of Harry Brook, Ben Duckett, uh, Dan Lawrence got ninety seven. Um, they won by an innings, uh, and there was also Ollie Robinson back in the mix, which. Uh, will be significant perhaps for the rest of the summer. Yeah, definitely. That was yeah really interesting because obviously he um, had that extended period where he was sort of battling to get back for ver- you know various reasons and initially fitness and then it was back spasms wasn't and then he dental problems and and that kind of thing. <laughs> so he's sorts. yeah just sort of everything um, sort of all, all came at once. But yeah, he he was back and and bowling. I mean uh, Craig Overton was also bowling extremely well as well. So you know whether it comes down to a choice between them or, or or what but yeah it was was sort of yeah good to see him back and that sort of adds adds something sort of extra to the mix i guess and uh another thing to note uh, jimmy anderson at 40 miller <laughs> um leading the line as ever <sighs> gonna play all three tests yeah it's, it's quite it's, it's inspiration it gives gives me hope that i can i can keep keep trundling away for a few more years yet um but no that's it, it, no, fantastic Wait, he's not it? bowling leg spin <laughs> no that's true yeah, yeah. although although you sometimes you wonder with the way he gets way well, yeah. um but no it, yeah it, it's magnificent to 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 do you know to to reach that sort of landmark i remember i remember watching in my early years of of cricket watching watching richard hadley he was 40 i think in his final tour of england 1990 he got knighted on that tour and so lords had sir richard hadley on the, on the on the scoreboard while he was while he was bowling i think he got a five for in his final innings including Devin malcolm with his final ball of, <laughs> of his career um i'm not saying jimmy's approaching the end but i do remember vividly just watching a, a guy who was clearly you know absolutely the top of his top of his game even even at the moment he retired age age 40 something um it was clear he could have cracked on for several more years and anderson is the only person to have replicated hadley's longevity uh in in that sense um you know to, to not only be because because hadley hadley and anderson do share a certain Similarity in that they were both tearaways as, as as youngsters. I mean, it's easily forgotten that Hadley was basically fast and and chaotic in his in his first coming as as, as a seamer, and then suddenly just just sort of honed honed his craft and found his line and length and found the nip off the off the off the pitch and the, and the seam position and all the all the magic in his fingertips that that Anderson has crafted and continues to craft. Even you know, I don't have his his stats to hand, but you know his numbers. Since turning thirty, are ludicrous. His numbers since turning thirty-five are even more ludicrous. His numbers since turning thirty-eight are giving even more ludicrous. It's just, uh, you know, he 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 is a magician, and um, it's fantastic to um, to feel like, uh, you know, not only is he is he back, but he's not done yet. He, he you know, his injury record is is <coughs> incredible. Albeit he's had a few calf issues that ruled him out the Ashes in twenty nineteen, but. Uh, there's no reason to think that this is it. They've got another Ashes next summer. Um, I would be astonished if he's not um, leading the line in that 
as well. It's um, <laughs> he, he's a machine. Yeah, uh, and he's he's taking the best approach to the hundred, which is to sit on the sidelines and watch. It, I think so, <laughs> certainly for uh, someone of his advancing years. Um, that's probably enough for one day. Um, there's bound to be another dub- hundred doubleheader starting shortly, so we should probably get on with that. The Lord's Test. Uh, gets going on Wednesday and we will be trying to keep track of that alongside all the frisky white ball hitting Uh, my thanks to Miller and Valkyrie and to you all for tuning in this has been the Switch It Podcast on ESPNQuickInfo.com Listener